Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a, a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you, can, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever, <clears throat> no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This contains the word of God for the people of God. very fortunate of us to witness, if you would, in a scripture that mentions being born of water and the spirit that we have in the service of baptism. I think that's a, a God moment for us. And so as we take a moment before the word is heard, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Let us pray. Father, as we have witnessed your blessing of water, Allow us to also be blessed by the Spirit to move upon us by opening our ears to the way that your will is moving in us and through us and around us, that we may hear with your ears and live in a way that models it in our very being. This we ask in Christ's holy name. Amen. So, I have a slight confession to make. I have, um, as, as a pastor, I collect religious pet peeves and so one of those is John 316 for me <laughs> because you can't go to any concert or maybe sporting event or maybe large gathering of any sort without somebody throwing up a sign with John 316 and I always think oh we need to change that if nothing else they should be brave enough to put their cell phone number underneath so that way they can get sold good car insurance. Uh, but more importantly, so that there can be more to the story because it has this implication with just John 3. It's so, well, everyone knows it, right? 
For God so loved the that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yeah, yeah. We're there. We've heard it. We've read it. We may even have a t-shirt or a button about it or a bumper sticker. But it seems like it just leaves us with, okay, I, it's a yes or no belief. Okay, yeah, I believe, and then go on as if that's it, nothing else. And yet the story that it's contained in has so much more that's being called to us. So if you would, let's delve into that so much more. We first encounter Jesus and a man visiting him at night, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, uh, a leader of the Jews. Some, uh, some Bible translations put uh, that he's on the ruling council, but nevertheless, we know that this is someone who is used to following the rules. They've been doing every single thing right, according to the Hebrew Bible. I mean, you've got 600 plus more rules and regulations that they're supposed to follow. What to eat, uh, who you eat with, how often, where, how to pray. May even told them who you can't touch or cannot touch or speak in the public. And yet here he is coming to see Jesus, not in the light, but in the darkness. A man who seems to be, well, breaking all the rules of his religion. Um, as he comes to this man, and we're not told why Nicodemus comes. A man who somehow seems to be, well, Jesus seems to be setting people free, giving people new life, if you would. The gospel says Nicodemus comes to see Jesus at night, and that little phrase is probably no accident. He's coming to see Jesus when no one can see him doing it. The other Pharisees were all starting to get suspicious about this young prophet, Jesus. They were watching him touch the untouchable, watching him eat with sinners and prostitutes, saw him healing some people, people that according to the law, Jesus shouldn't even be talking to, let alone healing. But Nicodemus nevertheless comes to see him. And we can speculate as to why. Maybe, maybe Nicodemus is one of those who's done everything right, and feels still there's something wrong in his relationship with God. Maybe, maybe Nicodemus has done everything right, doesn't feel there's anything, but still sees this man Jesus and knows there's got to be something more. Or, well, maybe there's others, but we do know this. If nothing else, we know that Nicodemus wanted something that Jesus had. That we can definitely say. And there was something about a Jesus that attracted him. Maybe this something was the gentleness. Maybe it was about his love for the lost or his compassion for the poor. Maybe there's a peace about Jesus that he saw. Maybe it seemed to bring to Nicodemus this way that, okay, I can see him at least here in the night to ask him about that more. And so Nicodemus approaches him and says, I know that you must be a teacher sent from God because nobody could perform the miracles you do unless God is with him. And just like Jesus took pity on the poor outcast, Jesus takes pity on this poor Pharisee. But not much because I find it interesting here. Jesus doesn't go up to Nicodemus and says, it's all right. <laughs> It'll get better. He doesn't go up to Nicodemus and says, you know what, Nicodemus, just, just hang on for the ride, be patient, you'll just watch, stay in the background a little bit, see if I'm all about, no, no, no. 
He actually, um, I love what uh, one pastor says, uh, Jason McKelly says he turns the screws on him a little bit. Because what he basically says, Nicodemus, if you want to be free, you'll never get there by just following the rules. If you want to be free, if you really want to see the kingdom of God, then you must be born again. Um, the word that's used here, anathen, some translations do born again or born from above. Both translation can be there, but let's back up before we continue the journey. He first says you now, and our this is where a good southerner could have helped the Bible translators because it's not you singular, it's you plural. So first Jesus says you all, <laughs> you all need to be born again. And then we wonder, okay, Jesus, who's this you all? Is this you all being the religious leaders out there? You all who seem to have it right or seem to want to point the fingers? Or maybe, maybe Jesus is talking to you all being Nicodemus and maybe there's a few other disciples that are there with Jesus as Nicodemus comes in the night. I imagine that Jesus is talking about you all. You all. Both the ones who think they're in and the ones who think they're out. The ones who want to shut everyone away or those who want to desperately know a little bit of God in those moments. Jesus says all of us because Jesus was all about uniting, bringing us together into that, well, as Paul describes, the body of Christ. Nevertheless, Jesus says you all must be born again. Now, Nicodemus, I'm sure, meant that this could be born from above, which would take a different direction. But instead, Nicodemus plays, the, uh, plays that friend that always has something sarcastic to say and not in a nice way. You know, we could describe him in words that I'd rather not say, <laughs> right? He says, what do you mean? Can I, a grown man, can be born again? Am I supposed to climb back into my mother's womb? Jesus, what in God's name are you talking about? being extremely sarcastic and Jesus kind of backs up and says okay okay let's break this down and that's when he really turns the screws or turns up the heat so now Jesus tells Nicodemus very plainly what he has to do he tells them what he himself had to do that everyone who wants to be free sooner or later must be born of water and the spirit in other words you've got to learn to see and experience and be in the world differently he has to start to see the world that is more than just physical. What's born the physical is physical. But there's another world, Jesus says, a deeper world. A world that's hidden, a world that's unseen, but it's there. And we will never, no matter how much we try to get to God and God's kingdom on our own power, that we will be powerless. Which, interesting enough, in the world that I work in is the first step in recovery, is recognizing that we can't on our own power all the rules and regulations and all of this just to get it down. But however, if we let go, that we can be born. You know? It's interesting that Jesus uses that word to be born first because we think of to be, you know, to be born again. We usually think of this glorious, beautiful moment. Uh, but birth? Oh, birth. <laughs> if anyone has seen a birth, they had a births are messy and painful and sometimes even though you set a date it doesn't always match up to that date and you think maybe a few hours can turn into like our firstborn of 30 plus hours you know you're you're like Jesus please right and yet even amongst this painful and messy and you know uh, 
unbeknownst things that happen that you never knew expected, it can be one of the most beautiful God-experiencing moments you'll ever have in your life. And yet, I think, I think without that pain, would any of us even bother to go looking for that other world, for some sort of spiritual awakening, for some sort of sight in the God's kingdom? But when our world and our way of doing things doesn't work anymore, maybe that's why Nicodemus was visiting Jesus at night, because the way of his doing things was not working. And when we try over and over to get things right in our own power, whether that's the right job, a right relationship, a right opportunity, a right career, a right understanding, a right body image, a right whatever, then maybe like Nicodemus, our pain and our failures, under cover of night, we come to Jesus and say, Lord, is there some other way? And Jesus answers, yes, there is. He says it's learning to see the work of the Spirit present in our own everyday, ordinary lives. What's born of the Spirit is Spirit. As I mentioned earlier, the, the word, this Greek word, anathen, that's used to be born again, can also be to be born from above. So in other words, it's not what we do. It's what God has done, is done, and will continue to do. It's almost like we are huddled in the corner on that Easter day and Jesus appears and he does the disciples and breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. It's only when we humble ourselves to become open, honest, and willing. Here I am, Lord. Take me as I am. And then help me, Lord, so that I don't stay here. I think it's uh, uh, really for those who may not pay attention to a lot of religious news, I hope that at least the past couple of Sundays you've paid attention to both uh, Susan and Keith have mentioned the revival that has been going uh, on at Asbury. They finally put a kibosh on it uh, because it was generating, well, attention for the wrong reason. Uh, what's powerful about this revival is that people were seeing and experiencing God's grace, not from anything, not from a super preacher that was coming through and talking. In fact, um, I loved that they had a conversation I heard this week with the pastor who delivered the message just before the, the revival. And on the way out, he turned to a friend of his, and it's like most pastors do, when we think we've delivered the worst sermon in our life, we go, well, that sucked. You know, glad that's over with. You know, God can take it from here. And with those words, he thought that was it. That was done. And yet, a little bit of prayer, a little bit of song, a little bit of scripture reading, and it took off. And suddenly, everyone throughout the world go, went, I need to be there. And the most gifted, I mean, the most gifted thing that that university did was whenever the celebrity preachers and the celebrity song leaders started showing up and said, let's us take over and take a part of this. They said, no, no, out of here. This is for them. And, uh, and I was humble. And so often we were just like Nicodemus. Let me go out there. Let me do this. Let me be out somewhere. And yet Jesus was telling Nicodemus and even us still today, no, no, no. God's spirit is alive right here. Right here. If we'll just be open to that. That world, that reality, Jesus says once you've found it and learned to live in it, you'll never be threatened. You'll never be lost. You'll never die. We can't see spirit, we can't touch it, but it's there. And that spirit, that spirit we call God, wants only our good for us. 
That's what Jesus found. It's called living in God's kingdom. And he lived in it. He invited everyone he met to come and live in it with him. The beautiful part of this story is we're never told if Nicodemus kind of what he thought about that or whether he really got it. I think the spirit was working with him, though, along the way. Because along the way, we encounter him again in John chapter 7 when the Pharisees and the other religious leaders are like, let's get Jesus now. We don't like what he's saying. And Nicodemus goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. We need to allow him to speak on that to know. Then we hear again in Nicodemus in John 19, after his death, he's the one bringing the burial spices. I believe the spirit continued so that he might finally live in that light. But what Nicodemus was offered that night is the same thing Jesus offers all of us. To be born again. Not because of our will and our willpower, but the love and grace of Christ. Instead of living self-controlled lives like we all did that first time around, now we're invited to live lives that are God-centered and service-centered our second time around. And if that's not being born again, I don't know what is. To see God's kingdom right now in our very midst everywhere. And when we can do that, we'll suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, no matter how hard we may have tried. And I'll be honest, both in my own experience and seeing that in time and time again in others, letting go and letting God is probably the hardest lesson we'll ever learn. But when it's our time, maybe it's also the simplest. When the pain of trying to do things our way, even trying to do it right, but still our way, When that all gets to be too much for us, then we're ready. It won't have been too much pain or too little pain that will bring us to that letting go point. It will be just the right amount. And when we do finally let go, then we'll, well, as Jesus says, be like the wind. You've ever watched the wind move a feather. You're not sure where it will end up or where it will go, but we know that As we're tracking the path, that'll be exactly where it was meant to be. That's what God's inviting us into. And maybe God's reminding me that John 3.16 isn't meant to, well, to be stopped there, but to live doubt. As John 17 says, indeed, God did not send the Son in the world to condemn the world, but that in order that the world might be saved through him. We're invited to let the Spirit work on us and in us for what remains of this 40 days of Lent, to rebirth into us something new. There may be some labor pains as you let go of some things. There may be some stress and strain with that. And I'll be honest with you, if there is, then that's what we're here for. That's what the staff are here for, your Sunday school leaders, Friends, family, connected members of the church, reach out to them. Sometimes, like a literal birth, it will be quick. At other times, it will be slower. Yet when it happens, it changes everyone in the family. Diedrich Bonhoeffer's uh, biographer, when he was describing his life, uh, um, described it best. says, being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively living God's will. So today, and all days, we're invited to come into the light, to be born from above, to invited that the Spirit might live within us, both now and always.
Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Fathers, we humble ourselves, open us, that we might become willing, not just to see, but to live and experience and do the kingdom of God, both here and now and always and evermore. For it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.